Hello, this is Dr. Tia Barnes, and welcome to the Scholarly Self-Care Podcast, where we will talk all about the SEL, or social-emotional learning, in self-care. This podcast is for educators, parents, and caregivers of children and youth. Each week, we will talk about your well-being to put you in a better space to support the well-being of the children in your life. Ready to get started? Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Scholarly Self-Care Podcast. This is our first official episode. I am so excited that this day has finally come. I've had this idea brewing in my mind for about two years now, and so this is such an exciting time, and thank you for tuning in. So I wanted to take this episode to talk to you a little bit about what the podcast will be about, and also to give you some background information on me. So the Scholarly Self-Care podcast is all about the social and emotional well-being of adults who have children in their lives. So this podcast is for educators, parents, it's for aunts, uncles, play aunties, play uncles, big cousins, caregivers of all types. And the purpose of this podcast is to support your social and emotional well-being. The reason this is so important is because research shows that when we're supporting the well-being of adults, we are putting them in a better space to then support the social and emotional well-being of children. So next, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about myself. My name is Dr. Tia Barnes, and I am a social and emotional learning researcher. I am also a parent, and I'm also a teacher educator and a former teacher and a former paraeducator. So lots of different roles that I am currently taking on or have taken on in the past. And for me, one of the reasons why this was so important to me was because first, from my own experience as a teacher, I know how taxing, you know, taking that time and supporting others can be on your own stress levels and Also, I have a similar experience as a parent. These are both roles that I very much enjoyed, but there were also moments where they were pretty taxing and I felt like, you know, I was reaching my wit's end in terms of being able to also support my own well-being. And I've realized that, you know, you can't give from an empty cup. I know that this is something that's typically said and it's kind of like, okay, um, I've heard that before, but it's more than just a saying. If you're in a space where you are stressed out and burnt out, you're not going to be in the best space to then be a model for the children in your lives on how to go about being emotionally intelligent and in gaining skills around social and emotional competence. This is definitely not a skill set, I believe, that you can just teach. It's not something that, you know, you open up a curriculum or a workbook and say, hey, these are the things you do when you are angry or these are the things you do when you're sad. I mean, that's definitely a part of it, but even more so we all learn through experience and also through modeling. So If you're telling a child something that they should do when they're angry, but then because you're so stressed out, when you get angry, you're yelling and slamming doors and, you know, engaging in behaviors that are just a result of you being burned out and stressed out, then, you know, we really can't expect that the child is then just going to stick onto what we presented to them in a book. 
So this is all about how we can support you and how we can support your efforts to engage children in social and emotional competence. So one of the main reasons that, you know, this has also come up for me is through my own experiences. I am a researcher and in that role, I spend time observing classrooms, talking with teachers and being in classrooms. And in one particular project, I was spending a lot of time in classrooms that were supposed to be supporting students with emotional and behavior disabilities. And in many cases, you know, the teachers were doing an exceptional job or they were doing the best job that they could. And from this experience, one of the major things that stuck with me was the fact that we were asking teachers to support children in their social and emotional well-being and competence, but we weren't necessarily supporting the teachers social, emotional, well-being, and competence. And as a former classroom teacher myself and as a teacher of students with emotional and behavior disabilities, I know how difficult these settings can be. Each and every day, you, you know, you're not even sure what you're, you're in for. You're going into the classroom and it may be a good day where, you know, you don't have too many student outbursts or maybe a day where you have a child that is violent towards you or towards other children and needs to be, you know, removed from the classroom and it can be very disruptive. I had children that would try to elope, meaning they would try to like run away and we'd have to do a full on <laughs> intervention where we have multiple adults trying to catch them. Um, so that we can make sure they were safe. So there can be a lot of chaos in those environments. And this isn't just at school, and this is not necessarily just with children who have an emotional disturbance. Just as a parent, day-to-day, you know, different things can come up with your children, whether it be emergencies or just, you know, breakdowns and temper tantrums or whatever else it may be. So as someone who takes care of children or has frequent interactions with children, things aren't always going to go as planned. And that also can play a part in your social and emotional well-being, um, especially if you're not necessarily in the space of being able to regulate it um, as well. This is a skill set that for a lot of us was not taught. So if you were in front of me as an audience, I'd ask how many of you have, you know, received social and emotional learning skills as part of your K-12 education. And most of you would probably not raise your hand because this is something that's fairly new that schools are now realizing that needs to be incorporated. And so for a lot of us as adults, we learn this just through experience. And some of us were very lucky in that we had families and parents and role models and um, caregivers in our lives that were able to do this well and were very competent. And so from watching them and learning from them, we are emotionally intelligent. We are, you know, very socially and emotionally competent. But for most of us, we may have had parents that were doing the best that they could at the moment, um, caregivers who are doing the best that they could, teachers that were doing the best that they could. And we probably got some of the skills, but there's probably still a lot that we need to work on, me included. So this is a journey. This isn't something 
that, you know, you magically learn and just retain. Life is ever evolving. Things change. And so within those experiences, it's it's a lot about taking those skills that we've learned and put in other places and using them in our current situation. And so for me, I view this as a lifelong journey that we're on in terms of social and emotional well-being. And I look at self-care as one of those vehicles to getting there. So with that said, I want to talk about what is self-care specifically. So you have a better idea of what we'll be covering as part of this podcast. So typically when we think about this idea of self-care, we think about it as going to the spa, getting massages, perhaps exercising and getting our nails done. So a lot of things that make us feel good in the moment. But my definition of self-care is a bit broader than that. And it incorporates a few or a lot of other things that you probably don't typically think of as a self-care. So the first type of self-care that we'll get into is physical self-care. So this is self-care that is going to support your physical well-being. So these are things like exercise. This can be going to the doctor when you need checkups or for any other ailments that come up. And this can also include making sure that you're taking any medications that you need to take and just generally supporting your physical well-being. Eating right would also fit into this. The second area is your emotional self-care. And your emotional self-care is going to be things that you're doing to support your emotional well-being. So this could be talking with a therapist, talking with a friend if you're upset, taking time to cry, taking time to meditate, um, also taking time to learn more like you're doing now in this podcast about your emotional well-being and taking the time out to put strategies in place to support you. The third type of self-care is spiritual self-care. And spiritual self-care is all about how we are supporting our spiritual side. This could be religious in the sense of um, going to church or praying, but this can also not include religion through things like meditation and reflection. The next area of self-care is intellectual self-care. And so these are things that you're doing to stimulate your mind. So this could be reading books, going to museums. This can be taking the time to watch documentaries um, for a lot of people, also YouTube and going on and learning a new skill. So that would all fall into this intellectual area. The next area is social well-being. So this is what you are probably thinking. (laughs) This is going to be taking the time out to meet new people or to connect with the people that are already in your lives. So whether it's spending time with friends, spending time with family, um, spending time with your spouse, all of this, or your partner, all of this would fit into that social self-care piece. The next area of self-care is safety and security. So this area of self-care is all about doing things that are going to reduce your stress on a day-to-day basis that support you in feeling safe and secure. (laughs) And so examples that fit in here would be things like making sure that you are in a space financially, that you're not necessarily worried about money every single paycheck or every single day. So this would be things like budgeting, 
Um, it could be security in terms of making sure that your home feels safe for you. And safety, I also consider safety, not just physical safety. So making sure that you are physically safe and secure, but then also your emotional safety. So this is making sure that you're creating an environment around yourself that you feel emotionally safe in. And then the last area is practical self-care. And this is the area of self-care that I think is probably the most unsexy area because the focus here is on, again, like the safety and security day-to-day things. Um, But these are things like cleaning your house and, you know, meal prep and making sure that, you know, if you have an early morning, you lay out your clothes or anything that's going to reduce your stress in those ways. And so within those seven buckets or seven areas, some of the things that I want you to recognize is first, there can be a lot of overlap. So for example, with exercise, exercise is a physical self-care activity, but it can also be an emotional self-care activity because exercise supports us in terms of endorphins and it helps us to feel better emotionally. It can also be a social self-care activity if you're a part of a running group or a walking group or you exercise with a friend. And so know that there's a lot of overlap between these. The other thing is that self-care is very personal. What I mean by this is that things that I enjoy and view as self-care, you may not enjoy or view as self-care. And so when I talk about self-care on this podcast, I'll talk about things that I'm enjoying um, as part of my self-care. And I'll also give other examples. I plan to have guests come on and talk about things that they're doing for their own self-care as well, just to provide a broader perspective of self-care. And I want you to eat the meat, spit out the bones. And what I mean by that is, as you're listening to this podcast, take the things that seem like they could work for you or that interest you and use them. Think about it more as a strategy and not necessarily doing each and everything that I say. Like if I talk about how I'm engaging in a new exercise regimen, that doesn't mean you need to engage in that exercise regimen. Maybe it's of interest to you and you want to improve your exercise. And so maybe you'll take some of the strategies I'm using to try to get consistent and use those. But that doesn't necessarily mean you have to go about doing the exact same exercises that I'm doing. And the next thing I want to talk about is just why self-care is important. So I talked to you a little bit already about the importance of self-care in terms of us being models for the children and youth in our lives. But in addition to that, self-care is going to be important because it supports us in reducing our stress levels. And because we are more prone to being burnt out as caregivers of different sorts, it's going to be very important that we engage in regular self-care to help in decreasing those stress levels because stress is what leads to burnout. And by reducing our stress levels, we are in essence reducing our chances of being burned out. And when we're burned out, you know, we're not in a very effective place. We're not going to be able to meet those goals that we want to meet, especially around our parenting or caregiving. Um, And also as educators, we're not going to be able to meet those goals as effectively as we could if we were in a better emotional space. And so that is why, you know, this is a very important topic and something that we want to take the time to really dive into. The 
concept behind scholarly self-care is for you to really study yourself. So this is a study of you and what you need to support your well-being. And so I'm going to encourage you each week by providing you, like I said before, with research and things like that. But more so, I want to empower you to take the time to reflect on you and learn what works best for you and come up with a plan and a routine that is going to support you and your well-being. So something I also mentioned earlier was about this idea of self-care being a journey for me. And just, I guess, to give you a little bit of background on that, I think I went through my 20s just living my best life uh, for the most part. And then I had kids. I think even as a, as a teacher, because I wasn't in the K-12 classroom for too long, it was a couple of years. And then I went back to pursue my PhD. But as a graduate student, I think is when it caught up to me. So in my later 20s, I had my first child and I was also working on my dissertation. And somewhere along the way there, self-care just kind of fell to the wayside. I was spending most of my time engaged in my research and trying to finish up and then also taking care of this baby and, you know, was going through a postpartum period and it was very stressful. I found myself, you know, not really enjoying life anymore, just kind of going through the motions. So then I started my postdoc and this was in a center that focused on learning about emotions and social and emotional well-being. And I really started to take a look at myself and wanted to make some changes for the better. And so one of the things I did was I became consistent with going to therapy and I will sing it from the rooftops. I think therapy is something that everyone needs to experience at least once in their life. I know for some people they go in the short term. I love therapy. I love self-development. So it's something that I've kept consistent in my life, whether it's listening to podcasts that talk about self-improvement and emotional well-being, but then also seeing a therapist regularly just to talk through all of the things and to, you know, have somebody that is holding me accountable for the things that I say I'm going to do to support my social and emotional well-being. That has been amazing for me. But with all this, I want you to know that, like I said before, it's still a journey. I'm nowhere like near being this perfect, emotionally intelligent person that is not still growing and learning and trying to hone in on areas that I want to improve um, around my self-care. I can't look at all seven of these and say, oh yeah, I'm doing great in all of them. There's some areas that I'm doing better in than others. And there have been times along my journey where I've been doing great in an area, but then something happens and I haven't really you know, been doing much in that area at all but instead I'm doing well in another area. So know that you are a work in progress. This is a work in progress. I expect to still be working on my social and emotional well-being into my old age. And that's perfectly okay. As humans, we change, we evolve, we grow, we face new situations and new circumstances. As I'm recording this, we're still in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Likely when this comes out, we will still be in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. And so even with that, that was something completely different that none of us were expecting a year ago. And we're coping and we're 
trying to to do our best within it. And so with that, we may need to change some of our self-care strategies to fit the current moment. And so, like I said, ever evolving, and that's fine. As we go through this podcast, the focus is going to be on these areas that I mentioned earlier. So we'll talk about our physical self-care sometimes. We'll talk about emotional, spiritual, intellectual, social safety and security and practical self-care. All of that is going to come up through different episodes. And so expect for us to talk about a gamut of things that can support you in your journey. For example, some of the upcoming episodes will include things like creating a self-care plan and reflecting on where you are in your current levels of self-care. We'll talk about COVID-19 and how you can support your self-care and your well-being during this time frame. Like I said before, I plan to have guests come on and talk about things that they're doing to support their own well-being to give you some different strategies. So I plan to have teachers come on, parents to come on, people who are both roles come on, administrators. So just lots of different everyday folks like me that can speak to how they're navigating this important area of life. And so... What I hope is that you will tune in to the podcast weekly, that you will engage with me around things that you're interested in learning about and hearing about on this podcast. You can reach me at my website, which is going to be in the show notes, which is drtiabarnes.com. You can also reach out to me on Twitter and just let me know what you're thinking about the podcast, what things you'd like to see incorporated in it, because I want this to be something that's beneficial to all of us. So to you, to me. Um, and then finally, I'd like for you to each week at the end of the podcast, just think through an action step that you want to take that week. Because like I said, this is a journey. I'd rather you take it slow than try to just change all the things in one week or one day. So Take some time to think through what would be helpful or what is that meat that you're taking from that podcast that you're going to incorporate in your life and and share it with me as well. I love to hear from you guys. And so, yes, that is going to be it for this week's episode. I am so excited that, you know, you're able to tune in and I look forward to talking to you again next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast please visit drtiabarnes.com for show notes. And while you're there, feel free to leave a note. I'd love to connect. If you like the show, subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends about it. Don't forget to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app. Thank you to colettemckenzie.com for providing podcast management services for this show. See you all next week. And as always, take care. Take care.